Welcome to the Indiana Daily Student Football Podcast, Reach for the Pod. I am your host, Patrick Feltz, here on this first episode of the 2021 football season. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, We should have some good content here previewing week one matchup. The Hoosiers taking on the Iowa Hawkeyes Saturday afternoon, 3.30 Eastern time in Iowa City. Uh, It should be an excellent matchup. Hoosiers rank 17th, the Hawkeyes 18th. And today we're going to be joined by L.C. Norton, Luke, uh, who is one of our football beat reporters here at the IDS. And we're also joined by Robert Reed, who is the pregame editor at the Daily Iowan, the student paper at the University of Iowa. Uh, And you can check him out on Twitter at Robert underscore Reed 34 or at the DailyIowan.com. So thank you to Luke and to Robert for joining us. Should be an excellent matchup, and we've got a whole lot of content to preview it. You can check us out at IDSnews.com for all of your ID. IU football coverage all season long. And without further ado, let's get into the podcast. All right, I'm here with our football beat reporter, a senior here at IU. He was the editor-in-chief and the sports editor here at the IDS. His name is L.C. Norton. Luke, L.C., how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty well. Not too bad, not too shabby. Had a few classes, had a few nice conversations. Right? Can't really complain. A nice lunch, too. How about yourself? I'm doing well, too. Uh, It's good to be back here on the show uh, talking a little IU football. And speaking of the Indiana Hoosiers football team, we've got actual football games this week. So uh, it's it's crazy that we're actually back. You know, we talk about all summer, all offseason. We talk about week one, Iowa. Got to get a big game against Iowa. That's a great way to start your season with a Big Ten game. Very important contest. But now that, that date that felt so far off for so many months is actually here. And we are staring it in the face. And we are just a couple days out from the start of the actual college football season. So just in general, you know, we've had months upon months to, to ponder this matchup, to think about this matchup. And both of these teams have certainly had months to prepare for it. So in these last few days before we kick off the season, what's your general feel about this team and about this contest? You know, honestly, for me, I have been thinking about this matchup for months, but really it's come to a head, obviously, in the past few days and lead up to game week. Right. Um, uh, initially, you look at Iowa's stats last season, they were much more impressive than they were really given credit for. They mm-hmm. had a really good offense. They had a very good defense. Um, you didn't hear Iowa a lot, aside from Gary Bard. I knew, you know, chair of the college football playoff. But Iowa was a good team last year, but they have to replace a lot of that production. They lost multiple starting offensive linemen. They lost their top two wide receivers. Not their leading receiver, tight end, forget his name at the moment, but he is returning. He is with the team. And then they lost multiple defensive linemen. However, that secondary that was really good last season, that's all returning. So they do have some production to replace, but that secondary that really made a good difference last season in a few games, that's all returning. We have to keep an eye on that for Indiana. You know, and, and that is a real issue. I think secondary pass rush could be a question. I think they're only bringing back one defensive lineman, if I'm correct, Zach Van Valkenburg, who is a very talented defensive lineman too. Um, and they're only bringing back, I believe, one offensive lineman too. Um, as Kyler Schott injured himself bailing hay in the offseason. What the an Iowa, Iowa such an Iowa, certified Iowa moment, if you ask me. Uh, but that offensive lineman that they're bringing back, uh, he just might be the best offensive lineman in the country, Tyler Lindenbaum. So this is a talented team. Yeah, you talk about that secondary. That's going to be an issue for Indiana. And I think the way that the Hoosiers win this game is by attacking vertically because Iowa, you know, they're ground and pound, trenches team. Uh, They're without their receiver last year, Amir Smith-Marset, who the last couple of years has been that vertical threat for them. He's gone. Um, I believe their top receiver now is Nico Rajaini, if I'm getting his name right. Um, I've I've struggled for a couple of years with pronouncing it. If it's Regini, Rajaini, something like that. 
Point being, um, he's not as much of a vertical threat as Smith Marset was, and I think you know, easing in some of these new receivers could be could be a question for the Hawkeyes. But another thing that I think goes in Indiana's favor here is that Iowa tends to have slow starts this season. Even looking at last year, this is a team that last season they started 0-2. They lost to a Purdue team that ended up not being very good, and they choked against Northwestern. They had a a big lead early in that game. I think it was 20 to nothing, and they lost. 21 to 20, I think was the score. It was a close loss, but they started 0-2. And this isn't an easy schedule for them. Starting with Indiana at home, then they play at Iowa State. Those are two ranked matchups. Then they get Kent State at home, who, uh, that's another tough team. They're going to be one of the better teams in the MAC, one of the better offenses in the country. So I think a slow start isn't out of the question for Iowa this year, but I think that plays into Indiana's favor. If Iowa, especially an Iowa team that is going to be replacing a lot of talent, isn't what they're going to be by the end of the season. Certainly, I don't think they will be. I think they've, they've got a lot of learning to do, and it's tough to learn on the fly when you've got three games like that. Yeah, and you mentioned Northwestern specifically. Well, quite frankly, it is hard to come out with a win when your quarterback throws three interceptions. Right. I mean, that's just very difficult. I mean, Pesters didn't have a really great start to last season. I mean, uh, those first six games, he's quite frankly threw more interceptions than touchdowns, if I'm not mistaken, five interceptions to four touchdowns. But then... Those last two games against Wisconsin and Illinois, mind you, not exactly world beaters last season, but he really did turn it up those last two games. Mm-hmm. Five touchdowns, no interceptions, and Charlton Warren at the press conference Monday specifically noted, like, that's a quarterback. I mean, he'll be a second year in the system, second year around the team. Uh, he should be better this season. So while he had struggled early on, but something to keep in mind with him is those young receivers. He might not be as experienced as the top two departed. And especially against a fearsome IU secondary, who really only lost Jamar Johnson, right. but regained yeah. Marcelino Ball. I mean, you're regaining a great player. You lost a great player, mind you, but you're getting a great player back. He was not only a great player on the field, but also a great leader, just a great mm-hmm. presence. You're trading one All-Big Ten guy for another All-Big Ten guy. And granted, at different positions, but the safety depth, I think, is one of the strengths of this team. They're, they're going to have guys like, uh, like Raheem Lane, like... Devon Matthews, who are going to step up and fill that role of Johnson, while uh, you've got Ball at Husky, which is still, for all intents and purposes, more or less a, an extension of safety. And, of course, you have to worry about that tight end. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, but IU does have a good linebacking core. They should be able to not necessarily lock him up, not shut him down, but they should be able to keep him under control at least. He was their top receiving threat last season, but they really should be able to keep him at least a bit under control. Yeah, and you know, you do talk about with, with Iowa, the slow starts under Kirk Ferentz have been a trend. This is a one-year thing. This is a thing we've seen kind of year after year. They have, you know, some some rougher week ones, week twos, stuff like that, and, and they find their form eventually, win eight or nine games, you know, Iowa football. Um, but this is a team that got really hot at the end of last season. They lost those first two games, like I said, but they didn't lose after that. They were undefeated. They had a matchup in the... Music City Bowl with the Missouri Tigers, who then got COVID. That game was canceled. So this is a team who didn't get to play their bowl game last year uh, and a team that I think is going to be hungry to build off of that really, really, really strong end of the season last year. Yeah, it's kind of an interesting bowl game situation because, you know, Iowa just wasn't able to play their bowl game Uh because of Missouri. Not the only um, team like that. Yes, not the only team like that. But then you look at IU's situation where – you could tell they definitely felt affronted by being placed in the Outback Bowl. I mean, mm-hmm. covering up Big Ten logos, changing out Big Ten logos. And, I mean, that just was not the same team we saw throughout the season in that bowl game. I mean, 
Jack Jack Tunnel, he did injure that shoulder of his, so that brought him down. You could just tell there was just something different in the air, just like a deflated balloon. Like, that was just mm-hmm. not the same team. You really cannot judge the 2021 Indiana Hoosiers by that. that by point. the Ole Miss game, you can't. And at the same time, Iowa, and from what I could tell, it seems like Iowa fans felt slighted by their bowl placement, too. They felt like they deserved much better than the Music City Bowl. So, I mean, it was kind of a chain reaction when the playoff committee, which was, of course, headlined by Iowa Athletic Director Gary Barta. He was the guy in charge of the College Football Playoff Committee, a committee that uh, it seems like the Indiana Hoosiers have a bit of an issue with uh, from an outsider's perspective. But um, Indiana fans certainly had an issue with based off of how they treated the Big Ten and how they specifically treated Indiana in bowl season last year. So admitting only one Big Ten team to the New Year's Six party, basically Ohio State in the playoff, and then leaving Northwestern and Indiana on the outside looking in, putting Northwest Northwestern ends up in the Citrus Bowl, Indiana in the Outback, and, and leaving a team out of the New Year's Six meant for Iowa that instead of going to an Outback Citrus-level bowl game, they ended up in the Music City and not even playing in the Music City. And Iowa fans, I don't think, were too happy about that either. So uh, while there is a lot of animosity I've, I've seen online from, from Indiana fans towards Gary Barta and the playoff committee in particular, I think Iowa fans are just as upset with their own athletic director for this and for other things like cutting sports. I saw they cut their swim team. So um, that is something interesting uh, to, to keep an eye on. There, there could be uh, could be a little bit of beef there. Yeah, but Gary Barter's situation, I wasn't on the beat last season, so forgive me if this is wrong. Um, so I remember Tom Allen was either asked about the playoff for me as a whole or specifically Gary Barta, and his specific answer was, that's for another time. Well, <laughs> I think the time is another now. time. It's, it's, um, it certainly seems like if there was ever a time, the time would be uh, right about now when you're playing his team. <laughs> yeah, I haven't detected, uh, you, you can correct me if I'm wrong, I haven't seen too many rublings of the old Gary Barta. It seems like they've, it seems like they've moved on, but you've you got to think deep down that there's still a little bit of that in there. Because I, I know for a fact that this team is is not moved on from that Outback Bowl. They are, you know, you, maybe they're moved on in the sense that it's a new season. We're going to, you know, build off it, have more success, do new things, do better things. But they're using that as motivation. They're not happy with that. Uh, and I think part of that is they're not happy with their placement. And it kind of traces back to that very issue. So that's one thing to keep an eye on in this. And, and that might be something reserved for, for some tweets or or some comments in a press conference, but keep an eye on it. Um, and uh, if it doesn't happen with, with people involved with the team, I think it certainly will be something that fans on Twitter are, are mentioning in, in this game and in the lead up to it. So uh, that's an interesting little point. But um, on the football side of it, Iowa is a three and a half point home favorite here, which means this is pretty much an even game given home field advantage. And we have to talk about home field advantage. That's one of the important things coming back to college football this season. We're going to have full stadiums across America, except in Hawaii where they won't have fans. But in Iowa City, packed house. Kinnick Stadium is a tough place to play. Everyone's going to tell you that. Everyone knows it. Kinnick Stadium uh, on a game day. Kinnick Stadium is a top three or four environment. <laughs> it is. It's, it's one of the toughest. It's, it's incredible. Um, you know, a lot of tradition there. You know, the stripes and the seats and... You know, the wave, which is probably my favorite tradition in college football. It brings a tear to the eye. And uh, and I'm sure, Luke, you'll you'll be at this game. Hopefully you get to participate in the wave from the press box. But if you're, if you're not familiar, for those at home, 
Uh, there is a tradition at Iowa where the fans in the stadium all wave to the kids in the children's hospital next door, and it really is the greatest thing ever, and I love it. But talking about the actual crowd, crowds are back this season. What do you think that adjustment is going to be like for this team this week and every week of the season, really? Yeah, crowds are back, and especially when you think about a place like Kinnick, I mean, look at a place like Memorial Stadium. That's not necessarily a stadium that's used to filling up. Traditionally. And just having all of that noise traditionally this year could be an exception that could change the season kinnick is kinnick is known so it's like you at least know a bit of what you're going Mm -hmm. into i mean mind you there's going to be a bit of added flavor since those fans have been waiting for over a year yes to pat kinnick yes i mean just all of that bottled up just shouting the stuff that you were saving for your tv you can now haul it at the field you can haul it at the refs you can haul it at the coach haul it the opposing team yes Although IU has been practicing under those conditions, they have been trying to get them ready for those conditions at Kinnick for a while now. They've been pumping in crowd noise during practice to just like try to simulate. There's no true way to simulate that, especially during practice. There's no true way to simulate a live rep. And especially a crowd like Kinnick Stadiums. But they are doing what they can to prepare. I mean, this is a team that has seen crowd noise before, it's heard crowd noise before. Uh, they are at least experienced in that area. They've dealt with it before. They can do it again. This is an older team. Like, if this were a younger team, I'd expect that to be a bit of an, more of an issue. Mm-hmm. But these are older players who have been there, done that. I mean, crowd noise will always be a thing. It's a thing in the NFL, a thing in the college football. But these are guys with, like, good heads on their shoulders, tons of experience. Um, it will be a factor. But just knowing these guys, I don't think it'll be that much of a factor. Yeah. So let's talk some actual football here. What are your keys to the game for this? And I know that's that's an overused phrase, but what do you think Indiana is going to have to do to win this football game? Because it's a pretty evenly matched contest, you know, just a three-point spread. These teams are, are one spot away from each other in the AP poll. What's Indiana going to have to do to get a ranked win on the road to open their season? A ranked conference win, uh, t- tough to get a much bigger opponent than this week one. What's it going to take? Oh, gosh. So as far as keys to the game, how to win um, – you really have to turn Spencer Petras into the quarterback he was in the first few weeks of last season when he just was not playing great football. I mean, you can do that with your secondary. I mean, that secondary, I fully believe, is capable of blanketing their receivers. Mm-hmm. Like, I absolutely believe that secondary can really do good work against Iowa's receivers. But you have to generate pressure up front. It'll be easier since they lost a lot of talent on the offensive line, and they have an offensive lineman out with an injury. And it's still an Iowa offensive line. It is still an that's <laughs> that's the issue. Iowa runs through. Iowa has always, always will, always has run through their offensive and defensive line. That team has always been built in the trenches. They do have guys who are like next man up mentality, and IU has had issues in recent years, like really capitalizing on opportunities with pressuring the quarterback mm-hmm. and actually sacking the quarterback. Right. But if their transfers like. You know, Jaron Handy, if Ryder Anderson can really step up, if the bull position can work as intended and actually generate pressure on Petrus and just turn, make him have an awful day, that could be key. But it's not just him. You also have Tyler Goodson in the backfield, one of, Excellent if not back. the best running back in the Big Ten. Yeah. Um, and that's really where these two teams have a bit of a huge difference because we talk about some similarities, like mm-hmm. feeling, feeling slighted by the college football playoff. Good secondaries, but they have differences as the running back position. Iowa and really has a, offensive philosophy in general. Yes, because Iowa just has a set in stone running back. Goodson, you know he's going to come in and start. You know he's going to have 
good game whenever he he's going to get his there. no matter what because he always does. I use... Look at his game last year against Minnesota. That's what I would go to as like the benchmark for Tyler Goodson. That's his best game, but that was excellent. That was just a a standout performance. That's what I think you can expect bits and pieces of that week in and week out from a guy like Tyler Goodson. Yes, but I use question uh, running back room is a bit more of a question mark. They uh-huh. did get transfer Stephen Carr, who will get the nod to start. Just listening to running backs coach Dylan McCullough, um, IU will operate a bit of a committee. They'll definitely have guys coming in and out to, to see some plays, but they are going to look for that all-around guy that can kind of do it all, that can pass protect, take it out of the backfield, or even pass catch on third downs. And it seems like they might have found that guy in Stephen Carr, but there's no way of telling how he's actually going to handle a football field until he's on it. And he's got to stay healthy. That's the other question yes, for him because that's something have to stay healthy. he hasn't he done in his career. History. So for me, looking at this game, I think if you're the Indiana Hoosiers, you got to establish your identity here. Um, and that's easier said than done uh, when you're playing against a team that's typically got a stout defense like Iowa, even if they have some question marks up front. These two teams, I think, have clashing styles of football. So Iowa is – this is a pretty typical Iowa team, if you ask me, in terms of what I think their floor and ceiling are. I think this is about an 8-4, and 9-3 and three team. This is, you know – this is an Iowa team, just plain and simple. This is what you're going to expect year in and year out from, from a Kirk Ferentz Iowa team. And that means you're going to expect a team that's going to pound the ball and play grinded out type games where they win 17 to 10. If you can score like 24 points on this team, I, I think you can win. Uh, but if you're Indiana, I think you want to try and spread the field. Um, and you want to try and pass deep. And you want to try and make it a game like that where Iowa's going to have to you know, keep up with you, maybe you know, tennis match style. They're going to have to go touchdown for touchdown. You don't want to get into those long drives, grinded out type games where they're taking eight minute drives and, and you know one drive takes up half a quarter. If it gets into a game like that, Indiana's got reason to be worried because you know you, it's tough to beat Iowa at their own game on their own field. But if you can take the game and make it your own and make it the type of game that you can win, you know a shoot maybe not a shootout, but a game where you're going to have to spread the field to win, you're going to have to throw deep, you're going to have to you know hit on some home runs then I think Indiana's got an excellent chance to win this game. Michael Penix is absolutely a quarterback who can have home runs. I mean, Without a question. Talk about stadium environments. I know there were no fans in that stands, but no matter what, the horseshoe is an intimidating environment. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you see that, this Carlin Gray lining up against U of Ohio State, that's intimidating enough. Yes, I mean, just Ohio State, all the legacy there, that looming stadium, I mean, and he just lit it on fire last, last year uh-huh. in his performance against Ohio State. So Penix has proven... He can step up in those big moments. This is going to be a big moment. This is going to set the, st- the stage for the season. I mean, if I this could be a really benchmark game. Like, if they win this game, that continues that upward trajectory that we saw from these past two seasons. If they lose this game, they definitely have a chance to come back. It's week one of the season. You really can't super fault them. But there will be questions like, what are we doing for the rest of the season? What's it going to be like? Mm-hmm. They, they will have an opportunity to come together, but they have a statement game here. A yes. Week matchup, week one, Big yeah. Ten game. Absolutely. A lot of similarities to the opener last season against Penn State. The difference being there's a bigger expectation on the Hoosiers this time around. And I know they're not the favorite, you know, just looking at the betting lines, but the expectation is much higher. I, I think there were a lot fewer people who expected Indiana to go and beat Penn State week one last year. I did expect them to, but, you know, it was a big upset. I don't think beating Iowa would be much of an upset, even if it was technically an upset. I think the general vibe around fans, the vibe around, you know, just the team in in general here, 
is that they're the better football team and that they're going to win this game. Keep in mind, if I'm mistaken, uh, Wisconsin was also a favorite last year when they lost. Yes, they IU were. Backup quarterback. Bet, betting the the line on IU last year was usually a, a favorable measure. Yeah, I yeah, like IU just outperformed when it was when it was the other team was favored. IU really stepped up in those moments and was able to shine, especially just in moments like Ohio State, like. You know, just like Wisconsin, just they've been able to really shine in those moments. All right, one last thing here before we wrap up. Do you have a prediction on this game Saturday? Who you got? Um, you know, I've been thinking about it for a hot minute. Um, I, I'll, I'll put it to you this way. This is how I've been putting it. Um, I, I think IU's going to win, but I wouldn't be at all shocked if they lose. I think they have a good chance going into this game. I think they can and will win this game. But if they lose, it's not some big shock or upset. I'm going to take IU here. Um, I think it's a very even contest, particularly because it's on the road. I think I'm going to take them in a close one. I'm going to have them like 27-20, I think, is my final. So should be an excellent game of football Saturday at 3.30. Luke, thank you for coming on this first half of the podcast. Yes, sir. And we will see you again soon. And we're back here for part two of today's podcast and continuing our preview of week one, Hoosiers taking on Iowa 3.30 Saturday afternoon in Iowa City, 2.30 Central. Uh, And joining me here today to help preview the game and preview from the other sideline, he is the pregame editor of the Daily Iowan at the University of Iowa. His name is Robert Reed. Robert, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Excited to uh, talk some football ahead of the first game of the season, a big first game of the season. Yeah, conference game, two ranked teams. It, it doesn't get much bigger than this. And, and you know, we, we talked a little bit about the Hoosiers here in the first part of the episode, but, but looking at the other sideline, the Hawkeyes, a team six and two a season ago, uh, an appearance, well, not an appearance, but, you know, made the Music City Bowl and didn't get to play because of COVID issues at the University of Missouri. But they're back, and this should be an interesting season for them. So, Robert, I'm curious, what, what is the, the feel around this game uh, from the Iowa perspective, what is what is the general vibe around the team? You know, I think talking to all the players and we had interviews with them on Tuesday, about 10 or so of them, they're really excited to uh, jump right into the thick of it with, I, I guess, one of the storylines in the offseason or as we approached the, the start of the season was Iowa, you know, started 0-2 last season with a really bad, ugly loss to Purdue in West Lafayette and then blowing a 17-point lead to Northwestern at home. Uh, there's there's not a lot of room for margin. Uh, there's not a lot, a lot of margin for error to start this season either because you got a top-20 Indiana team at home in week one, and then you go to a top-10 Iowa State team in week two. So all the players are – well, at least they say they're really uh, amped and ready to go for a couple of ranked opponents to start the season. Kirk Ferentz is a little more uh, – like not to say he's not excited. He's, he's a little toned down. Like we'll play whoever they put in front of us. That's how the schedule works. Not getting too up or down um, um, about this either way, but the general consensus seems that uh, everybody, especially first game uh, with fans back at Kinnick stadium in over a year, first game at Kinnick stadium where they're selling beer and wine. That's huge. Uh, <laughs> that, that, that's, that's going to be uh, <laughs> the atmosphere and then a top 20 game on top of it. So they have, the atmosphere is going to be something on Saturday. I hear they like beer in Iowa. I've heard heard unconfirmed reports of this, but uh, you know this is a team a season ago that that won six straight to finish the season. But 
and it isn't just a last year issue. And we've talked about this before. And, and I think even, even the coaches have acknowledged this early season can sometimes be a struggle for Iowa. What do you think it is about this program that sometimes they get off to a slow start before picking up steam later down the stretch? Yeah, I don't know. And I mean, even uh, Kirk Ferentz has said, he said at Big Ten Media Day, Iowa Media Day, that, um, you know, when he's at, being asked about playing a number 17 Indiana team to start the season, that they, Iowa traditionally, at least under him, they don't play their best season at the start of the season. They're a team that really finds their groove and uh, is traditionally their, at their best at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Um why that was last year, I think it's a little different because it was different for everybody with the COVID year and uh, Spencer Petras entering his first year as the starter, didn't really have an off season to prepare to be um, a starting quarterback in the big 10, like he traditionally would. So I think that right. factored in because um, if you look back at um, those first two losses, particularly against Northwestern, Petras threw three picks. He j- didn't look comfortable at all. Um, so I think that can contribute a little bit to, um, last season, at least. And I don't know, maybe another piece of that is Iowa prides itself and markets itself on being a developmental program, um, taking, I don't want to say lightly recruited, but it's not like they're getting four and five star recruits yeah. every class. Right. No, I know um, what you're saying. And, and turning those guys into highly productive, all big 10 caliber players. And I don't know, maybe because they're that type of program, there's some bumps along the way at the start of the season. And mm-hmm they find their stride late in the season. But um, like I said earlier, not a, not a lot of room to mess up with the teams ahead of Iowa to start this season. Right. Yeah. Two ranked matchups to start the season. The number 17 Hoosiers headed to Kinnick week one and week two, they're taking on a top 10 team in Iowa state. And I believe that's an Ames this year uh, and week three, it doesn't get uh, a whole lot different. Uh, they're going to be facing what I think is a top 15 ish offense in Kent state. So uh, definitely an interesting start to the season for Iowa. Uh, you know, but, but looking at this matchup in particular, what is it to you that, that Iowa has to do to win this game? When you look at Indiana's roster and, and you see some of the strengths and weaknesses that the Hoosiers have, if you're Iowa and you're this coaching staff, what are you doing to win this game? The big thing that Spencer Petrus and basically every offensive player preached yesterday was taking care of the football because we know how good at Indiana's defense is at um, forcing turnovers. What was it like 17 interceptions in eight games? Yeah. Last season? Some, some crazy stat like that. Yeah. And it's, it's wild. And like I said, Petrus at times last season, wasn't very careful with the football. And I mean, even in, uh, it, I was first lost last year to Purdue. They fumbled two times in clutch situations, which isn't a prototypical Iowa thing to do either. Um, so I think number one is just taking care of the football. Uh, Petrus was talking about how it's usually a cliche that defensive backs are playing DB because they can't catch, but he said that's not true of Indiana secondary because right. anything here, if you give them a chance to make a play, they'll make a play. So um, that's been his focus um, offensively is um, making sure his timing's right with his receivers, um, taking what's there for him, which he at times didn't do last year. And overall, just I know it sounds easy to take care of the football. Um, it's much easier than it sounds, but that's what the offense has been prioritizing uh, um, leading up to the Indiana game, at least. Yeah. Um, and opportunistic is the way I would describe this Hoosier defense. And, and they did lose the guy who I thought was, was the best at forcing those turnovers and Jamar Johnson. He, he's playing with the Broncos now, but, but looking at, at the Indiana defense, uh, 
I think I think that the, the secondary is definitely the strength of it. And and Iowa at receiver, though, you know, losing their top two guys from a year ago, uh, including Amir Smith Marset. So when when you're looking at throwing the ball here, um, and you talked about you know trying not to force those turnovers or or give the defense chances. Uh, what's it going to be like breaking in uh, some of these more inexperienced receivers? And I know there, there are some guys who have some experience like Nico Ragini. If I'm getting his name, right. I've, I've been messing that up for a few years. He, he's an experienced player, but uh, breaking in a few new guys at receiver. Uh, what do you think the challenge is there playing against, uh, you know, one of the top secondaries, I think in the conference or country. Yeah. And I mean, Iowa definitely did lose two big guys in Amir Smith-Marset, who's also one of the best kick returners in Big Ten history. So that right. was a big Yeah, loss. an electric player. And then Brandon Smith, I don't know personally, and I think a lot of people around Iowa would agree, I think Brandon Smith was underused during his time here. I don't know how you stop him with someone with his wingspan and jumping ability from catching a ball in the red zone. But, um, yeah, both of those two are gone. The good thing, I guess, for Iowa in this situation, you mentioned Nico Organi and also Tyrone Tracy Jr. Um, Kirk Ferentz has basically referred to them as starters the past couple of years because mm-hmm. um, over the past couple of years, Brandon Smith did have some small injury issues that forced him to miss a couple of games. And Tyrone Tracy, particularly as a redshirt freshman two years ago, really stepped up and um, had some highlight level plays. I know there was a 75-yard catch and run against Wisconsin. I play in which he broke like six tackles against Northwestern on his way to the end zone. Um, So he definitely has shown flashes of being a top tier wide receiver for Iowa. Now it's just his turn to officially be that number one guy. Uh, And if you want to read about Tyrone Tracy being the number one guy, check out the cover story in pregame this week. That's my, uh, that's my plug for the podcast. (laughs) DailyIowan.com. DailyIowan.com. Check them out. They, uh, they actually had a crossover with the IDS this week. Uh, you can check that out on idsnews.com. <laughs> Love that. Getting our content out there. But, um, yeah, Regani's another one of those guys. He led, I think he led Iowa in catches two years ago, so he's seen plenty of targets and is a really safe uh, guy for Petrus to throw to, especially over the middle. But mm-hmm. what's intriguing to me, um, Arlen Bruce and Keegan Johnson, both are freshmen, first-year players. They're both going to be in Iowa's – wide receiver rotation where we're going to see them on the field consistently. They're in the top. Uh, Keegan Johnson's actually listed on the two deep. So he's in the top four and Arlen Bruce isn't far behind. And they actually graduated from high school early and came to Iowa this spring and were with them through spring practices and uh, really, really took advantage of that from what the coaching staff has said. And some of the limited practice we've um, gotten to see, um, so I'm really intrigued to see how they're used, how many snaps they see, and how they can kind of help mend losing guys like um, Amir Smith-Marset and uh, Brandon Smith. And I guess one more name just to drop in there, Charlie Jones, who I think he was – he got some All-Big Ten honor. I don't think it was first team, but he was recognized for being a punt returner in the Big Ten last season, which was uh, his first seeing the field for Iowa after transferring in from Buffalo. But um, he's in line to see more snaps at wide receiver – um, this season and could help fill in the gaps of some of those explosive plays. We saw some from guys like Smith Marset because obviously he um, was re- electric, I think is the best way to say it in punt returns last season. And he got some rushing attempts via jet sweeps and whatnot last season, but seeing what he can do catching and running with the football, I think will be, um, it could be a luxury for this offense if he really, uh, 
adapts to his new role. Yeah, and, and Tyrone Tracy at receiver for for Iowa, of course, for many of our Indianapolis listeners, Decatur Central High School. So uh, a name to keep an eye out there. Uh, we can talk about the skill positions all we want with Iowa, but at the end of the day, this is an Iowa football team. And the way they win games is in the trenches. It's the offensive line, it's the defensive line, and it's the running game. And Tyler Goodson is an excellent running back. So so looking at him, and, and you got a chance to spend some time with him uh, this summer down in Georgia, uh, what is his, you know, mindset going into this season like? And and for for you in thinking about this game in particular, what kind of game is he going to have to have to help Iowa get the win? Yeah, I mean, he's been pretty clear all off season long. One of the first questions he was asked during spring football was, you know, along the lines of what his goals were for his junior season, and it took him about half a second to say he wants to win the Dope Walker Award. So right. he's uh, he's putting all the it's on himself. He wants it. Uh, he was a first team all big 10 running back um, last season as a sophomore in a limited season. And he thinks he can take that jump from being one of the best running backs in the big 10 to being one of the best running backs in the country this season. Um, and it's interesting. He, he's not the, at least when I think about Iowa football and I've touched on this on some stories I've written over the summer, you think of that bruising back who right. um, ground and pound type of guy, uh, Tyler is more similar to Akram Wadley, who was with Iowa a couple of years ago, real shifty back and make plays out of the backfield, catching the ball too. And that's really where Tyler feels like he's most dangerous is when he can find a good balance of um, getting rushing attempts out of the backfield, also catching some passes and potentially even running p- plays out of the slot. He was, could have been, according to uh, Boo Mitchell, who was an all American wide receiver at a uh, Vanderbilt in the eighties, who also does some strength training with uh Tyler now, he could have been the best receiver on his high school football team and gone to college as a receiver. So we'll see if um, they utilize Tyler catching the ball a little bit more this year. And I mean, even last season, he was their wildcat quarterback and made some, they used it more and more as the season went on in, in different ways. So maybe we'll even see him throw the football at some point this year. He says he has an arm. I don't know if I believe it, but uh, we'll uh, we'll see if he adds that in there. Um, yeah. And, and you talk about the running game, but when it comes to the running game, it is reliant on the offensive line. And Iowa has a history at offensive line, maybe better than anybody in the entire country. So looking at this year's offensive line in particular, they have who I think is the best offensive lineman in the entire nation and Tyler Lindenbaum, he's back. Uh, and, and Kyler shot was another returning player, but he's out. He was bailing. Hey, broke his foot uh, here in the off season. So Lindenbaum, I believe is the only returning starter from a year ago uh, who will be active in this game. So Breaking in some of those new offensive linemen, what have you seen from this offensive line? And and do you think this is a prototypical Iowa offensive line? I don't know if I'd call it prototypical. I mean, you're right with Tyler Lindbaum being probably the best offensive lineman in the country preseason, mm-hmm. first team, All-American. That's really the only like set in stone piece of this Iowa offensive line right now. Right. There are guys coming back who played a little bit last year and even made some spot starts when some guys were out of the lineup. But both full-time starting tackles from last season are gone. Um, Cole Banwart, who was playing with the Tennessee Titans this preseason, uh, didn't make their active roster, but still in the NFL now. Um, he's gone. Like you said, Kyler, uh, bailing some hay. What an Iowa injury that is. <laughs> he's going to be out this week and probably a couple weeks more. Um, so what we've heard from Kirk Ferentz is, aside from Linderbaum, we're going to see some offensive linemen rotating in throughout the game. Um, 
basically at both tackle spots and both guard spots. And there's some guys, Cody Ince, starting at left guard, for example, is capable of playing all five positions along the offensive line, which is pretty wild. So he could hop around depending on where they like him. Uh, Connor Colby, another first-year guy who's the backup right tackle, at least on the depth chart. He's also, it sounds like, capable of playing both tackle and both guard spots. So they've got a lot of opportunities to mix and match based on um, how guys are performing, where they like them, and um, stuff like that. So I guess these early games, at least, especially with shot out of the lineup, comes down to who's performing well at what spot and what combination uh, Ference likes along his offensive line. Yeah, but the the issue there is, you know, you usually do like to have, I don't want to call it a warm-up game, but, you know, a game against a lower-level opponent, not a conference game or an in-state rival. And in your first two games of the season, if your Iowa are a, a ranked conference game and a top-10 opponent right across the state, which – not not a great time for experimentation. Uh, just just kind of a, a poor luck of the draw there. But uh, you, you got to think after having an actual offseason worth of practice, they, they've certainly got a better idea compared to last year. Uh, this time last year, when, when there was you know not even a season uh, as to what their offense and what their offensive line will look like going into week one. And I guess even just one more component into that. And I mean, I don't want to call Kirk Ferentz a default offensive line coach obviously he's very involved in that but Iowa does have a new offensive line coach this year too and George Barnett after uh Tim Polisek who'd been here for the past I don't know handful of years I uh, left for an offensive coordinator opening elsewhere so obviously Iowa's system doesn't change with its also offensive line coach because mm-hmm. it's been this way for a while but just seeing that it's an extra wrinkle of having a new coach down on the sideline working with the offensive line and on the other side of the football, uh, the defensive line, that's another position where, well, Iowa's been just as strong, uh, sending guys to the NFL year after year. The most recent guy, I think, was A.J. Epinesa. Uh, but that's another position where traditionally they're very strong in another position where not returning a whole lot of guys. Uh, the only guy, I believe, coming back from last year is Van Valkenburg, Zach Van Valkenburg, correct? Yeah. Um, who is an excellent player, by the way, but... What's what's that been like on the defensive line, rotating in some of these new pieces? Yeah, it's been something. And honestly, for me, this was the biggest question mark as far as a position group across mm-hmm. the whole team going into this season because Iowa's defensive line was just stacked last season. The three right. starters they lost, Davion Nixon, consensus All-American, Chauncey Golston, first team All-Big Ten. Jack Heflin was a solid starter. He only played one year at Iowa, but he was a grad transfer in. And forgot now he's a bunch of those guys who are also in the NFL even more recently than Epinesa. That's my bad. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Heflin, even as an undershot free agent, I think just made the Packers final roster. So you got wow. three NFL guys gone from that defensive yeah, line. Yeah, that's, that's big. Um, and I mean, Van Valkenburg is heck of a starter to have back. Second team all Big Ten guy last season, and he'll be uh, solid is, in his spot. Is this at right year now. number six for him? You're, you're number six overall, yeah. you're number three at Iowa. He's enjoying the college experience, I guess. Like, uh, soaking it all up. Yeah, it's yeah. he's he's been an interesting uh, journey in and of himself, but now um, going from Division II transfer to being the face of the defensive line is something for him. But mm-hmm. um, at the other end spot, John Wagner and Joe Evans, they are experienced guys. They've They're both juniors, and they both have – you know, whether it be in pass rush situations or just certain areas have seen the field frequently, but 
Neither of them has been a full-time starter before. So Wagner is listed as the starter right now, but I'm sure we're going to see both of them plenty. Um, and then defensive tackle, it's a, it's a lot of mysteries there too. Noah Shannon is another guy sort of in that category where we've seen him in bits and pieces. Um, but haven't seen him uh, take over the defensive line spot for the whole game. Right. And I think that, and that's his experience other than Baldwin Valkenberg as Iowa gets on the defensive line. Otherwise you're relying on a lot of redshirt freshmen and guys who haven't played a lot of game snaps. And I mean, said the same thing kind of going into the last year, Davian Nixon had only started one game at Iowa before last year and turned into a consensus all American. So I don't know. There's a lot of mysteries right now. I want to say if I'm Iowa that I'm super worried. I I shouldn't like just go to the default of this, but I kind of think like a Phil Parker defense just kind of figures itself yeah. out. Yeah, um, the track record speaks for itself. But there there certainly aren't the names there. Um, there have been the past couple of years, so I guess it's just who's going to be that next guy on off Iowa's defensive line. Right. And if you're IU though, I think, I think you're happy that you're getting this team week one, not, not only because of the documented, you know, slow starts, but, but also because breaking in new guys on the offensive and defensive lines, you got to think that they will be much better by the end of the season as, as opposed to week one, week two. Uh, so looking at it, you know, final kind of wrap up here, how are you feeling about this game? And if you want to give a prediction, uh, go right ahead. What is your overall thought on this week one matchup? Yeah, I guess my overall thought when I talked to Evan the other day, I said, I think I predicted an Iowa victory 27-21. Like that's, I, I don't know. These preseason, especially ahead of the first game of the season, Always I don't know. Judge. Yeah, it, it's yeah. tough. I don't know. Because um, Indiana, obviously with Michael Penix coming back, that dangerous wide receiver core, I'm really interested to see. That might be my favorite matchup of the game is just that wide receiver wide receiver core against Iowa's secondary, which is returning all five of its starters. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's a lot of experience there, a lot of talent there, and it'll be really fun to watch. Um, But yeah, I I could see, I could realistically see this one going either way. These teams are number 17 and number 18 for a reason. They're, they stack up on paper well against each other. And it seems like it'll be a close matchup Um, for me. I don't, I mean, if this was being played uh, in Bloomington, I'd probably give it to Indiana. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I, th- I think it's going to be a close matchup, a fun matchup, and can't wait for uh, 2.30 on Saturday. It should be an excellent game, a, a really evenly matched contest. I think that's the that's what I've gotten at the heart of this when, I, when I've talked to people about it. It does feel like these te- two teams are, are pretty much going weight for weight with each other. Uh, and I've, I've taken Indiana. I took Indiana earlier in this podcast. But this is going to be an excellent game. Uh, and I, I could see this one going either way. Um, a real, a really good test for both of these teams to try and build some momentum earlier in the season, getting a ranked conference win week one. That's no joke. Uh, this should be an excellent game, uh, no matter what happens on Saturday. And I am looking forward to watching it. So Robert, thank you for joining us today on the show. Where can the people find you? Yeah. Like you said, go to dailyiowan.com for Iowa coverage of the game, at least on Saturday and follow me on Twitter at Robert underscore read 34. And I'll be posting all sorts of uh, relevant football information there as well. That's right. And at idsnews.com, you can find all of your IU football coverage. We'll have reporters in Iowa city this weekend. I won't be making the trip, but you can find Evan Gerke, 
Bradley O'Hulan and Luke Norton, who joined us on the first part of this podcast in Iowa City this weekend. They'll have coverage all weekend long. So, Robert, thank you for coming on, and we'll see you this weekend. Yep, thanks for having me. Of course. We'll see you next time. Bye.